Razorback fans. Welcome to the Hogbeat Hour. I'm Nikki Chavanel here with Andrew Hutchinson, your host from over there at hogbeat.com, the Arkansas site and the Rivals Network. Not too much going on this week, huh, Hutch? Yeah. <laughs> just uh, everything. Yeah, it's been just an absolutely wild week. I mean, you knew you already have, you know, baseball going on, football coming to an end with, you know, spring game coming up. And then let's just go ahead and throw in a crap ton of basketball news with the new contract for Eric Musselman and, you know, staff change. I mean, it's just everything that could happen, happens. Before we get into it too much, real quick from our sponsors, our, our show is brought to you by Wright's Barbecue and CJ's Butcher Boy Burgers, two Northwest Arkansas staples. Um, you can also find CJ's down in Russellville as well. But those two, I mean, we, we frequent them very often and uh, they support us over at Hogbeat, making sure we get to all the biggest events in Razorback sports. Um, also, you can get 30 days free at Hogbeat anytime with code H-A-W-G-S-30. Come join us. Uh, we'll be bringing you live updates, of course, from this weekend's spring game. Plus, uh, the the Razorbacks are playing the Aggies at home, 6.30, 6.30, and 2 p.m. this weekend. Um, and those games are on SEC Network Plus, not on TV. So uh, come come join us on the trough and get all our, our live updates. Um, Hutch, starting with, obviously, Eric Musselman's contract. Finally, it happened. Um, on Monday night, Hunter Yurichek tweeted out a photo. Um, looked like they were all in like pajamas, not stuff that they would wear really out of the house. Late at night, holding uh, glasses of champagne, and that was that was the sign. It was coming. We we knew an extension was was going to happen. Everything sounded very positive, and then that was really the sign that it was pretty much not signed yet because you know obviously they hadn't released anything to us but it was about to be delivered. Yeah, I actually, the, the one night I went to bed a little bit early, uh, I, I missed it when it happened and I woke up and, and saw that and I was like, okay, you know, it's, it's coming. I knew it was only a matter of, of days probably. Uh, just had to get all the proper signatures, you know, the AD, the head coach, obviously, but the chancellor and UA system president or whatever, all, all the people that have to sign that uh, had to get that done and, uh, but it, it was nice to finally have it, you know, seemingly finished that night just because, you know, everyone, it, it seemed like every time a job opened up, you know, Arizona, Texas, Indiana, Minnesota, all those, everyone's like, oh gosh, is Eric Musselman going to leave? Uh, but, you know, I think I, personally, I never felt worried at all that he was going to take another job like that. I, I just, I felt like he was very comfortable here. His wife is comfortable here. You know, he's, you know, got his kid on staff, uh, his son on staff, and another, you know, their daughter's going to school up here. So uh, I, I just kind of always felt that it was just a matter of time and uh, just glad it's it's finally done. Hunter Yurichek said he had the utmost trust in Eric Musselman that what he was telling him was true, that he wanted to be here. And therefore, when the season ended, it wasn't just off to the races to get this contract signed because Musselman wanted to focus on the transfer portal. He wanted to fix his roster up. Uh, you know, he had the three seniors leaving and then Moses Moody declared the other day. Um, and then you had the, the Sills transfer, the Henderson transfer. 
just a lot of roster movement that he wanted to make sure people, uh, you know, first of all, were saying that he was going to bring in the top talent. And then he did do that, bringing in three top 50 uh, transfers that were available. So he did that first. And then they really focused in on that contract. And uh, Juricic said he started calling people in February. He knew that once that streak was really gaining the steam uh, that he was going to need money. And that means he needs the donors to step up. Um, Probably wasn't that hard. Uh, I know it's been a tough year for a lot of people, but uh, there's probably a lot of donors making stock market money and whatnot. And so uh, a Muscleman investment was probably high on their list. Exactly. And it also helps that he's just a really likable guy too. I mean, he's all over social media and, you know, I know some of those donors may be uh, older and, and don't really pay attention to social media, but I mean, how can you not like the guy? I mean, the guy is so fiery and, and fired up. I mean, anytime, you know, during a game at Bud Walton, during a timeout, second half, he'll go out on the court and pump the crowd up and uh, just, uh, you could tell he, he's restored excitement in this program. And you know, they won 20 games last year uh then uh, this year they, they they build on that they get into the top 10 and I think it was a pretty easy sell for Hunter Yurchak to go out and ask for money uh to pay for for a hundred or for a uh, Eric Mussman contract uh raise and everything because everything everything's pointing up and so it it should have been pretty easy and and anytime you're going to give them a, a 60 percent raise like they did going from 2.5 to 4 million uh, that is that is pretty significant. Yeah, you got on me yesterday about burying the lead of what the actual <laughs> number was, but I don't feel bad now because it's Thursday. You know, the contract went out Wednesday. So everyone listening to this, I'm sure you've heard by now, but it's it's through 2026, $4 million a year. He still gets a bunch of um, bonuses and incentives for making it to – uh, the Sweet 16 and, and whatnot. So uh, a lot of money for Eric Musselman puts him in the top 10 of all the NCAA basketball coaches out there uh, still behind coach Cal Perry and uh, coach Rick Barnes over at Tennessee, but a very, very competitive salary that will likely keep him here, keep him here for as long as he wants to be here. Um, his buyout is 7.5 million for the first year and then it drops down to two million um i asked Yercheck about that yesterday and he just said that he, i guess i don't know how these things go but he said you know we feel like he's gonna want to be here it's not going to be that big of a deal and at the end of the five years if if they retain him he gets an extra 1.5 mil which is the equivalent of like making the sweet 16 every single year that he's here uh, until 2026. So it's a very nice way to get some extra money um, towards the end of his contract. If he hasn't, you know, made it to the sweet 16 every single year. Exactly. And it's also worth noting that there's also a couple of, or there's up to $600,000 raises built into this contract. And all he has to do to get those each year is to make it to the NCAA tournament. So if he makes it to the NCAA tournament the next six years, his salary that seventh year, which right now his deal is, is a five-year deal, but there's a two one-year extensions that automatically kick in uh, for the first two times he makes the tournament. Uh, but by that seventh year, he would be making $4.6 million. Uh, 
uh, that that that's pretty good. And uh, as you mentioned, it's not quite John Calipari. I don't know if anyone's quite worth the John Calipari money. He's getting paid like eight million or something from from Kentucky. Uh, but I mean, to put it in perspective, uh, I, I'm trying to remember Sam Pittman's contract right off the top of my head, but I think it's like what two and a half million, something like that. So he's making more than the football coach. And I can't imagine there's too many schools other than maybe, uh, you know, Kentucky comes to mind. Uh, but there's probably not too many other schools that are paying their basketball coach more than they are their football coach. I was definitely trying to do that yesterday. Like look at the two lists and cross-reference. I was like, okay, this, this is taking too long. So I gave up, <laughs> but I figured, yeah, Kentucky's got to be up there. Tennessee might be up there. I'm not sure how much, uh, Jeremy Pruitt is making over at Tennessee, but could be less than Rick Barnes. Um, it was definitely worth it. Uh, in this day of college basketball, where the transfer portal is so uh, prevalent now and Eric Musselman is so good at using it, I just can't see Musk getting fired, you know, for convenience, which at that point, Arkansas would owe him 70% of his remaining contract. Um, I just can't imagine that because even if he has one bad year, he has the capability to completely retool a roster. He knows how to do that and he knows how to do it well. So I just think we're going to have Eric Musselman here for a pretty long time. Yeah, I mean, there he's not the kind of coach that if you have one bad recruiting class or if, you know, say uh, – you know, you, you bring in a recruit who you think you're going to have for three years and sure enough, he blows up into a one and done and he leaves early. It's not going to hurt him because he's able to, to get in the transfer portal and it may change how he has it planned. You know, he may only plan to get, you know, say three transfers one year, but if someone leaves early unexpectedly, then, Hey, maybe he just goes and gets a fourth. And uh, I, I feel like that should make Arkansas fans very comfortable and knowing that there's not going to be any multi-year rebuild, barring something just crazy happening, it looks pretty good. I mean, it looks it, – this thing is built for, for sustained success, in my opinion. I think he's got a pretty good formula going on, you know, getting uh, high school kids and, you know, the, the state is producing really top-level talent uh, these days. And so it just – it looks like he's just going to keep winning. And who knows? we may not even make it to the full five years of this contract before they have to do this whole deal again. Oh yeah. I have, I have no doubt that we'll be right back here in, in a couple of years probably. Uh, but hopefully, I mean, four, four million is a lot. So hopefully the automatic uh, incentives that he gets will, will maybe save that off for a few more. Um, the one thing that was kind of eyebrow raising in that contract was that if, Eric Musselman, after 2024, wants to go work for uh, the University of San Diego. He can do that without owing any buyout. I mean, the buyout would be pretty small at that point. So if he was to become like the head coach at University of San Diego, they'd probably be, you know, paying him already uh, more money than that anyway. So I don't think the buyout would be that big of a deal at that point. But it was very interesting. How old is Musk now? Like, is he really does he have retirement in his head like that already well just knowing him I doubt he does because he's just so focused on winning uh he is currently 56 he will turn 57 in November 
so I mean, he, this this deal would put him in his sixties by the time that he's done. Uh, but he just he doesn't really look or feel that old. I mean, he works out he like two hours a day of a forty year old at least. Yes, absolutely. So I mean, I could see this guy coaching for another decade plus. Javier oh, did kind of mention like, hey, if if Eric Mosley gets to the end of you know, this contract and he decides he wants to end his career at San Diego because that's where he went to school and where he played, then, you know, who is he to stop him from doing that? The The big thing is, is there is a no compete clause uh, where he can't go and take another job within the SEC. That That's, that's important because that's maybe some schools you would be worried about. Obviously there's other ones outside of the conference, but in those scenarios, at least you wouldn't be facing them, you know, once or twice every year. Where are you in the, um, I guess, retirement camp. Let's say you had Musselman's money. You've already achieved a lot. You, you've had a really long career. I'm kind of in the, like, relax and chill <laughs> camp. I, but, like, my mother, she's very much like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work until I can't work anymore because I would be bored. I uh, am definitely more like your mother because I, I would want to work. I mean, if I'm doing something that I love, uh, which I think everyone knows Eric Mosman loves basketball. Uh, I think he's going to work. I could see him being one of the coaches that works until he dies, honestly. I mean, he, he's just going to go until he physically cannot anymore. And that's kind of how I am. I'm, I'm going to work now, obviously. My line of business, our line of business, we're not going to make the kind of money where we could retire early like he could. Uh, but I, I'm fully planning on working as long as I possibly can just because I love what I do. And I feel like Eric Mosman's the same way. So on Friday, the Razorbacks had big news. They landed South Dakota wing Stanley Amude. Oh my gosh, I just said it and I'm still tripping over it. Stanley Amude, uh, he was all Summit League, uh, ninth in the nation in scoring, 21.6 points per game, um, high free throw attempt guy, um, 6'6, 210. A nice four position for Musselman's uh, team to add to Tony and Likes and the rest of the gang that they still have on campus. Um, it, it seemed like he was one of the best guys they could have gotten. Um, and considering that they need uh, those points from his position, especially to replace Justin Smith, couldn't have asked for a better addition, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, I think the basketball account on Twitter uh, described him perfectly. He's just a bucket. I mean, he, he can score. He can fill it up. I know people uh, view that as maybe a shot at, at, at Desi Sills, considering, you know, his announcement was something like, you know, I, I'm a bucket. I'm going to go somewhere that I'm appreciated or whatever. Uh, but, I mean, I honestly think it is very accurate to, to describe Umude as as a bucket. I mean, he can fill it up. As you mentioned, ninth in the nation in scoring. He was second in a Summit League behind the guy I think Arkansas fans will remember and Max Asmus uh, from Oral Roberts. Uh, and everyone remembers how good that dude was. Uh, so it's not a bad basketball league uh, that he's coming from. Obviously, it's a step up to the SEC. And you just you never know how a guy is going to translate. Like, I feel more comfortable that I know exactly what – Arkansas is going to get from likes and from Tony because they're both coming from the ACC. It's a lot more comparable. I feel like I'm a, I'm a little bit nervous, but I feel like maybe the ceiling is even higher for a coming from the summit league into the SEC 
Uh, I think that he could be really, really good. But I also feel like there's a potential that maybe he does struggle a little bit, and it's more along the lines of, a, I don't know, maybe a, a Vance Jackson or something like that. But I, I really do think that uh, this is going to be a really solid addition for Arkansas, and I'm anxious to see how he does uh, in the SEC. Yeah, I do assume that his numbers are going to drop solely because Arkansas has a lot more weapons uh, than South Dakota had. I mean, he was the only guy scoring in double digits, so they really relied on him every single game to put up those points. Arkansas isn't going to have that. They're going to have, you know, a different score every other night probably. So a little different situation, but, you know, 40% um, shooter, 30, 34% from the field, 75% from the free throw line. He had five 30-point games. Uh, this is a guy who's – who's just really capable of scoring on anybody. So, uh, I mean, to add him to Tony and likes when you're trying to replace Jalen Tate, Moses Moody, and Justin Smith, I mean, I don't think you could have done that any better. Um, you add kind of some different elements to it, but uh, in terms of scoring, which you really needed, uh, you've done the job, I think. Yeah, i I posted all their all those guys' career stats on the message board, I don't know, a week or so ago, and added it up. I mean, they're that's like well over to uh, like three thousand career points in college basketball, uh, and two of those dudes did it at the ACC level. So, very very solid additions. I think all of them are going to be viewed as you know. I think you mentioned earlier like top fifty, you know, transfers. Uh, you know, depending on where you look or whatever. Uh, but that is that is is very very good, and I'm I'm just I'm anxious to see how they all fit with you know the guys that are already on campus, you know the Jalen Williams, the Devo Davis, uh, JD Note, all of those guys. How is it going to mesh? And uh, I think they are going to benefit this year, where I, I think it's going to be more of a normal off season. Uh, you know, assuming everything you know with the vaccines and stuff kind of continues on the way it's going. Uh, hopefully, they get a a true normal uh, offseason that, that the previous team did not get that advantage. They have, you know, three transfers and a couple freshmen coming in, not as many new faces as last year, but even so they're still getting, um, you know, top 10 rankings, uh, you know, way too early rankings from a, a lot of national analysts. So it's just funny because it's still going to be Musselman piecing this thing together trying to find the best lineup but already everyone can see that this is a talented team and that is without Moses Moody who is still a, a lottery pick yeah I mean I, I think everyone saw what Musselman was able to do this previous year without the normal offseason with all the new pieces uh, and that was without really knowing exactly how all the freshmen were going to you know, do in their first years. I mean, I think everyone knew that Moses Moody was going to be good, but maybe not as good as he was, you know, one and done. I mean, he was like a number 50 something in the country as a recruit. I think, uh, I so think rivals undervalued him because, because I, he was at um, Montverde. I think, I think that they, I mean, he was a six man there. I just don't think that they saw what he could do if he was the guy. And I think he was ranked a lot higher than that at one point. Like, I'm yeah. pretty sure he was up in, like, the 30s or something, which is a lot closer to that, you know, potential one-and-done range. Uh, then he just kind of fell probably because, like, as you said, I mean, you're 
you're on the same team as Cade Cunningham and a bunch of other dudes that are really, really good. So, uh, yeah, I think he was a little bit undervalued, but, you know, people didn't necessarily know because of that how good he could be. People didn't know how Devo Davis was going to be. I mean, to be quite honest, coming into the year, I thought Devo Davis might be kind of that odd man out that might not get a bunch of playing time as a freshman. And boy, was I wrong about that. Uh, it ended up being KK, but that's not really his fault. I mean, he got hurt. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's – I just feel like the the national people are like, okay, Eric Musselman did this at Nevada. He did this at Arkansas. So, who's to say he's not going to just keep doing it? And, I mean, I've seen some people have him as high as, like, number five in the country or something. And that's just – for me, who's been around – I mean, I was born – right after the basketball team won the national championship in 94. So I don't remember the 95 season. I don't remember the 96 season or anything like that. So this is completely new territory for me. I have never really seen the basketball team so highly regarded, but I feel like they've got it back to that standpoint, that, that, that spot in the, the hierarchy of college basketball. And I think that's just, it's just really exciting. It's funny, Musselman was talking about how Danielle used to like laugh at the people who questioned whether Musselman could could be successful at the college level because he hadn't recruited, you know, he was he had coached in the, the G League and the developmental league and whatnot and just hadn't done a whole lot of high school recruiting. Well, it turns out he doesn't need it. And now everybody I feel like knows who he is. People were talking about Mark um Adams over at Texas Tech the other day and someone laughed like don't lie you had to google him and someone said you had to google Eric Musselman when he came up like there's no doubt when he was at Nevada I didn't it didn't really click but now I think everyone who follows college basketball knows who he is it helps that Arkansas is a national brand in college basketball. People forget that because of how bad they got, you know, after the Nolan Richardson era. But there was like a 20 to 30 year period there where Eddie Sutton and Nolan Richardson, two Hall of Fame basketball coaches back to back, had this program literally among the elite. I mean, it was, you know, Kentucky, North Carolina, Kansas, and Arkansas. Like, I mean, obviously others too. But Arkansas was right up there in that that kind of echelon of uh, college basketball. And so uh, it, it helps that to w- if you win in Arkansas, people are going to recognize that. And if you get to the Elite Eight, people are going to recognize that as well. And uh, as you said, now he's kind of like a household name. And if you're a, uh, a top-notch transfer or even a top-notch recruit coming out of high school, you're probably going to want to you know check out Arkansas because they've, they've shown what they can do. And uh, who's to say they couldn't you know you're already on the doorstep of the final four uh, who's to say they can't get there in the next few years we already mentioned Moses Moody um, I feel like his his declaration for the draft like just didn't blow up very much because or or people just saw it coming so much that it just didn't become a big thing but I he was like- so good I feel like we're gonna we're gonna look back and and Wish he was still here, of course. We, we talked about rivals undervaluing him or underrating him. I think he's undervalued by the fan base. I mean, I really do. He was so good and so consistent as a freshman. I mean, and a young freshman, too. Like, that's one reason he's so highly regarded by the NBA is because he's still really young for his age or whatever. His, like, 
his class. And so uh, it was just phenomenal. I mean, he was unreal. And I did the season the way he did, you know, going two of 10 and four of 20 or whatever it was in those last couple of games of the tournament. But uh, other than that, I mean, he was so consistent. He consistently get, got into double figures. You know, you would think like, oh, man, he didn't have a very good game. You'd look up and he'd have 14 points. And you're like, oh, wow. Uh, and so, yeah, I think he was very underappreciated. And I think it'll only, you know, people will look back more fondly on him as he goes on. And hopefully he has a good career in the NBA. Uh, and hopefully, you know, potentially this will kind of open up a, the a pipeline into Arkansas for those high caliber potential one and done recruits. Like he's the first Arkansas has ever had. Uh, but I think if Eric Musselman you know, does what he wants to do, he's probably not going to be the last. I updated his, you know, draft stock and projections after uh, he announced and pretty much everyone still has him very high up, very much a lottery pick, except for ESPN. Very strangely, they dropped him all the way to 21. I think he was 12th before. So it was a big drop. I guess they're kind of overreacting maybe from the tournament performance. Uh, but I expect that will go um, back up where everyone else is. I really do. Yeah, and who knows? it may also be because they saw other people that they liked and they just want to put him ahead of, you know, ahead of Moses. And, I mean, who knows? No one really it, – it's so far out you know, and uh, I feel like, you know, they've got to go through all these, the interview process, the, the combine, hopefully all that happens as normal, uh, didn't happen really last year, so uh, I, I feel like he's going to be uh, firmly in the, in the lottery, and potentially even a top 10 pick, and Arkansas hadn't had a top 10 pick since Joe Johnson in, I believe, the 2000 or 2001 draft, so it's been it's been a minute since they've had a guy that, that draft, drafted that high. I do know he's going to ace those in-person interviews. He's already like a pro's pro. Every time we talked to him, it was, it was really a pleasure. Um, not like a headline catchy guy, but he just, he says what you expect him to say in a really nice way. And I think uh, coaches and, you know, personnel staffs for, for NBA teams are going to enjoy him. Yeah, he's just so dang smart. I mean, it, it, he's so well-spoken. You can tell that, you know, his parents did a tremendous job raising him. And, uh, I mean, I think everyone has seen uh, – they showed it during all, all several uh, of the games this year, his uh, poem or whatever that he read while at Montverde. I mean, that just kind of shows you the kind of guy he is, really high character. You don't have to worry about him doing anything stupid off the court. Uh, so, yeah, he's he is going to, to – be a, a really good fit for a team and like he's not a guy that he's going to want to go somewhere and be the superstar like he's totally going to be okay if he has a three and d role which is what everyone kind of is, is speculating and, and believes he'll be uh, he's going to accept that and he's going to do it and uh, and do whatever it is that he needs to do and I think that's he can make he can make himself quite a bit of money in the NBA uh, by, by doing that. Musselman's already done a good job turning over his roster. Now he gets to replace an assistant coach for the second year in a, in a row after Chris Crutchfield left last year. Um, Eric Musselman now has to replace Corey Williams, who was formerly the head coach at Stetson for six years, uh, joined Musselman on his first staff. 
here at Arkansas, stayed a second year and has now departed for Texas Tech um, with Mark Adams, who um, took over for Chris Beard, who is now at Texas. Um, yeah, we heard about that on Monday. Uh, I was surprised. I, I kind of thought Musk would be able to keep him. Um, I, I think the guys are getting a raise uh, from Musk's deal. I think that's part of it, but I'm not 100% sure on any details of that. So I was, I was just surprised, but um, no, no bad words for Corey Williams. He's a really, really good coach and a good guy. I think they'll miss him uh, for the high school recruiting front. He's just really personable, and I think families like to talk to him. Um, as well as the recruits, uh, but no one's no one's irreplaceable except Musselman, in my opinion. So uh, they'll they'll have someone else who's very good, I'm sure. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, just look at last year, Chris Crutchfield left, uh, which by the way, you know, he left for a D2 head coaching job, and now he's back in the the D1 ranks, I guess, at Oregon with Dana Altman, another name Arkansas. <laughs> him with with David Patrick you know a sitting head coach at a division one school uh, and who knows I mean I, honestly if anyone was going to leave this offseason I'm kind of like you I thought I thought Corey Williams would have stayed uh, but David Patrick I thought might get some looks at some other head coaching jobs uh, but as of right now it seems like he's gonna you know stick around for a second year and I think that's huge I think he's a very good coach and I'll never forget you know I can't remember which game it was but the game that Eric Musselman had to miss because of COVID protocols and David Patrick filled in and we got to talk to him after the game, David Patrick was a phenomenal interview. Just very good. You could tell he's very, very smart, very bright and sharp. So uh, I think he's got to get another head coaching job at some point. So uh, I feel like this is going to be one of those things, you know, if, if you're having success, people are going to come after your coaches, whether that be to hire them as, an assistant coach somewhere else or a head coach or whatever. And, you know, sometimes I guess with Corey Williams, I guess he wanted just a, a change of scenery. Who knows? It'll be interesting to see if he does a interview with the Texas tech media and see what he says about, you know, why he wanted to take that job. Yeah. Uh, Musselman already mentioned, you know, he's, he's got talent on his staff that he can use if, if that's the direction he wants to go. He's got Earl Boykins, of course, uh, NBA veteran uh, who is the current, you know, player, personal development director, uh, Anthony Ruda, the director of operations, who was an assistant for him for two seasons at Nevada and then, you know, switched back into the director of ops role here at Arkansas. Uh, he mentioned, you know, his son. He mentioned Hayes Myers, uh, some other guys on staff who all have coaching aspirations. And then he's got a long career plenty of guys that he's worked with in the past in the past that could possibly come here so uh I'll, I'll, some some exciting stuff still ahead plus Arkansas has one more roster spot open and who knows if they're done with transfers so uh lots of stuff to continue talking about this offseason Hutch the spring game is coming up this Saturday it's at 2 p.m. It is open to fans. You can go get those free tickets online on the website. I'm sure I don't don't know it off the top of my head, but it's easy. Uh, the game will also be on SEC Network Plus, so that's the online uh, streaming version. As long as you have, you know, SEC Network subscription, you can you can watch that, and we will have live updates on the trough as well as analysis and the post game interviews on Hogbeat. So. 
go get in on a subscription to Hogbeat. It's code H-A-W-G-30 for, nope, H-A-W-G-S-30, Hogs30 for 30 days free. Um, Hutch, the first thing I think everyone's going to be looking at this Saturday is the quarterbacks. And Sam Pittman made a really good point. We were talking about last week how he was, you know, being tough on them, saying they weren't quite where he wanted them to be. He made a really good point, I think, when he said, you know, with with two quarterbacks specifically who run the ball so much, it's tough to tell how successful they are because they keep having to blow the whistle dead to protect them. Um, And I thought that was fair. But on Saturday, I think we'll still get a pretty good idea of how they're looking accuracy-wise with the pressure um, of the fans there as well. Yeah, I think that's what everyone's looking forward to seeing is how they perform, you know, under the lights. I mean, obviously it's afternoon, so the lights aren't going to be on, but uh, it it is going to be interesting to see how they do with fans in the stands. Can they make the throws they need to make? Can they, you know, obviously they're not going to be able to get hit and everything, but do they tuck and run when they need to tuck and run? Uh, do they step up in the pocket when they need to step up in the pocket? Uh, do they do all the things that you need them to do? Uh, because there's been times where they haven't done that. You know, in a couple of scrimmages, they, they held onto the ball too long, led to some uh, additional sacks, things like that. Uh, we'll, we'll see. It sounds like they've, they've made some improvements in the last four or five practices based on what Sam Pittman said on Wednesday. I think he said, you know, Malik Hornsby's doing a better job of actually, you know, trying to, to get out and scramble and run when things break down. That's good to see. Sounds like KJ's accuracy is getting better, which you would expect that to get better with time just because he's able to get the more additional timing with the, the receivers and tight ends and things like that. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's going to be a, a, an interesting thing to see because uh, you hope they look good because otherwise if they look bad, we're going to get – four months or whatever of just people freaking out. Um, In terms of the format, it's going to be the one offense versus the two defense and then the one defense versus the two offense. Um, They will have what? It's going to be one versus ones. Uh, He said that those, so like the one offense, say they're going to be in white. The two defense will also be in white. So that way, the two defense can go against the two offense and the one offense go against the one defense. So they're going to still do good on good. The whole time? I mean, they may mix it up. I mean, they always do. They're going to mix in, you know, some other, you know, the threes and stuff like that. But uh-huh. but it's, it's mostly going to be the majority of it. I think it sounds like they're going to get like 50 to 55 snaps for the first and second units each. Uh, gotcha. So we're going to okay. get lots of one-on-ones and twos-on-twos. And- well, I'm, I'm going to be watching from home. You will be there at the game. But there will be some players unavailable for Saturday's game that I know we're usually excited to see. Um, guys like Isaiah Nichols, he won't be there in at defensive tackle. He's been out for a couple weeks now, actually. Um, Jashad Stewart. The redshirt freshman defensive end, he won't be playing. He's been getting in with the one-some even on the defensive line. Um, Devin Bush, he's been dealing with a consistent injury. I think they had surgery, so he's still rehabbing. He's been practicing but won't scrimmage. Same thing with 
Hayden Henry, who has also been competing with Bumper Pool for starting reps. I clarified that with Coach Pittman on Wednesday, and he said, yes, that's very much a legitimate competition there. And I know some people will be excited because Bumper Pool's numbers weren't as good as his, you know, concrete stats actually showed last year. Um, Tykeest Crawford, obviously big-time transfer. A lot of people were excited to see him. Um, he's the backup right tackle kind of competing for starting reps there, and he's out. He's been out for a couple weeks. Um, that will move Marcus Henderson over out there because Dalton Wagner is also out potentially on Saturday. Um, and then uh, Kari Johnson, second-string corner, he's out. That will probably – move Trent Gordon up uh, to play some two reps, uh, the transfer from Penn State, and then uh, Tyson Morris. He is also out. I saw him with a sling on his arm. So uh, can't catch a football right now, it looks like. Um, that moves Trey Knox up the depth chart. And Jaden Wilson, the freshman early enrollee, he moves up to the twos from how I see it. And I have that whole depth chart up on Hogbeat, so you can go check that out and like kind of, uh, kind of note who will be there but who won't be there playing on Saturday. It really stinks that some of those guys are out because you know it would really give us a good look at how things stand with the depth chart, you know, going into the fall and uh, and also I think it's also really fair to point out now that you know Eric, uh, Sam Pittman was saying the other day like this isn't kind of like a, a final exam like you have in, in class, like where it counts as 20% of your grade. It's basically going to be no different than any of the other uh, scrimmages and practices that they've had already this spring. So it's important not to put too much stock into what you see on Saturday. Yeah. Um, there, there are position battles, but none of them are going to get settled uh, in this spring game. That's for sure. Um, Big news in NCAA football and basketball this week, the immediate eligibility, eligibility waiver, um, penalty-free one time. It is passing this week, so um, anyone, anywhere in any sport can transfer to another program uh, one time and receive immediate eligibility. So that's big time. Uh, Tykes Crawford, he's one of those guys uh, that applies there, as does Trent Gordon. So um, Sam Pittman was really happy with the news. He said, you know, personally, he thinks it benefits the athletes as long as they're not transferring every year, because obviously at that point, you know, you, you do have to sit out. Um, but, you know, he said coaches can transfer at any time. Uh, they can take another job. He pointed to himself at Georgia. He had five offensive lineman ready to sign uh, for him in 10 days time. And then he ended up coming in and taking the head coaching job at Arkansas. So, uh, you know, you can't hold it against people for making a choice that they think is good for them. As long as it doesn't completely derail their career, like it, it can do if these guys miscalculate uh, the demand for their services once they enter the portal. Yeah. I think it's going to take a little bit for the, I, kind of for the market to correct itself you know there's so many people in the portal we're seeing it in basketball especially I mean well over a thousand players in the portal right now and there's only 300 basketball division one basketball teams or something like that and there's just not enough spots for all these guys 
so yeah, it, it, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I think it's good. I think it's especially good considering now you're taking it out of the NCAA's hands. You're not going to have some dudes getting approved. Well, what's the difference? Why did that guy get approved and this guy didn't? It seems like Arkansas has usually been on the, the negative end of that. Uh, and so we're like, okay, what, what's, what's going to you know, get these guys approved? And now it's like, okay, everyone's approved. And I think that's, I th- to me, that's the biggest advantage of this new rule. And Sam Pittman, I mean, he's still a big believer in developing up through the high school ranks. So he's not going to save, you know, 10 spots a year at this point for transfers. He's still going to save a few. Um, But yeah, I don't think it changes too much in how he's going to recruit. Not like Eric Musselman, who, you know, it's almost a primary uh, source of talent for him at this point. Um, although that 2022 hoops class is very big, so it won't be so much this coming year. It is Thursday. This is our last segment. We're going to combine some recruiting talk, some baseball talk ahead of this week's A&M series. Um, Hutch, the Hogs are scheduling these official visits, even though dead period isn't ending uh, until June. They know that they have to get these scheduled because other schools are going to start getting these guys on campus if they don't. So um, uh, they had Cam East, a big uh, three-star offensive tackle that I saw down in Dallas this weekend. He just scheduled one for the end of June. Uh, Curly Thomas, a defensive end also from Dallas, he will be here that same weekend. Uh, Got two wide receivers coming in the first two weekends. Just a lot of activity. I can't even list them all. So go to Hogbeat and go check those out. But big piece of news. A lot of people noticed this week that I think uh, spells good news for the Razorbacks. Uh, Quincy McAdoo, the four-star athlete slash wide receiver over at Clarendon. Uh, he decommitted from Florida State. He had committed in January, so it hasn't been very long. Uh, but I got the sense that he was going to decommit uh, a few weeks ago. And alas, he did said he wants to really take time uh, to consider his decision. He's got Arkansas and Mississippi State recruiting him hard still. And he told me that he's going to do his best to get up here for the spring game on Saturday. So look out for him if you're at the game. Uh, obviously, that would be a big pickup for Arkansas. They've still got uh, – Chaz Nimrod over at Bentonville, another wide receiver that they're looking at. Um, And then they have uh, a a Nick Anderson uh, from Katy High School down in Houston, a very good program, and C.J. Smith from Florida, although I think he ends up at Florida instead of Arkansas. But wide receiver class is starting to take some shape. I think Quincy McAdoo could – uh, make a new decision rather quickly, even though he said he was going to, you know, take his time to consider it. Uh, the guys are working on him really hard uh, as well as the commits. So I don't think it'll take too long. Um, Hutch, our baseball guru, uh, the Razorbacks, uh, shellacked UAPB. I have no other word for it. Uh, I would be embarrassed to, uh, you know, schedule them even in the future. Like, is it even worth it? It padded the stats nicely, at least. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a great opportunity to get a bunch of young guys, you know, playing time. Uh, you know, you, you, that's really important in 
baseball, probably more so than you see in basketball and football. Like you can actually basically use an entirely different lineup with young guys that don't get to play as much, uh, you know, during the weekends and other big, big time games. Uh, that's pretty much the only advantage. I've always been a big proponent of the SEC not playing the SWAC in any sport. I mean, we saw it with Mississippi Valley State in basketball. They seen it on Wednesday when, like, I think it was 26 to 1 was the final score and eight home runs. I mean, it was just stupid. I mean, and that, they do that all the time against, you know, Grambling, Mississippi Valley, Jackson State, all of those SWAC teams. It's just a, a very, not a very, it, Arkansas's competitive advantage in that is just, massive so uh it's it's tough you know it's it's not going to be and I saw some people uh joking like oh I wonder how Texas A&M feels watching you know this UAPB game I'm like they don't care they're not watching this because they know they're a lot better than UAPB and even though I think they're I want to say three and nine in SEC play so not great uh they have a lot more talent uh than what uh the uh UAPB Gold Lions have. Yeah, so that was a run rule, right? Like, I didn't even think they, that existed in college. It, it does if, you, if both coaches agree to it beforehand. Uh, there has to be an agreement. And I guess sometimes they could maybe agree during the game, like, okay, hey, let's, let's call, this, <laughs> call this after seven because you're up by 25. Uh, no one needed to, to keep that going. I mean, UAPB was running out of pitching. Arkansas didn't exactly have a ton of pitching uh, and really these midweek games in the grand scheme of things they're not that important uh, it's as I said good to get the young guys experience good to kind of keep playing keep the moment, momentum going uh, but you don't really gain much of anything else honestly if anything it probably hurt Arkansas's RPI I think they're still number one I haven't checked that today uh, but it's just like the in the basketball you know when they played Southern uh, for that game they made up uh, to in basketball, it hurt their net ranking. And it's the same thing with, with baseball. Those games hurt your RPI. And, uh, but again, it, the big series coming up is this one against Texas A&M this weekend. Yeah. So Texas A&M is what, 20, 20 and 15 on the season. Arkansas just moved back up into uh, the number one spot. Was that uh, like, did something happen to Vanderbilt this past yeah. weekend? Vanderbilt lost two of three against Georgia, ah. and Georgia is not a very good team this year. They're okay, uh, but definitely not a game uh, or a series that, that other people expected Vanderbilt to lose. I mean, Kumar Rocker, one of their stud pitchers, got rocked in game one, gave up – I think he'd only given up two home runs in his career, and they gave up three against Georgia. And so that, that was a big contributing factor. That's why everyone thought – that, that Sunday game with Ole Miss was so big because the winner of that game was likely going to be number one in the rankings. And sure enough, Arkansas did just enough <laughs> to pull out a wild, wild game. Uh, and they are a, now a unanimous number one team in college baseball. It's um, going to be rainy on Friday from what I have seen of the weather yeah. report. Do you anticipate a, another potential double header if necessary, or is it going to be one of those, you know, if it rains, it rains kind of games? You know, I was looking at the forecast this morning. I haven't checked it, you know, lately, so I don't know if it's changed, but it looks pretty rough. And, and it's not like one of those where they can maybe move the game up to like a four o'clock start on Friday or something, because it's supposed to start raining that afternoon. I don't see any way they can play baseball that day. Maybe it changes. You know, it is Northwest Arkansas. Weather can change on a dime. 
Uh, but I would anticipate there being a doubleheader on Saturday, which really, really sucks because of the red-white game going on at the same time. Yeah. Um, couldn't they just delay it? I mean, it's not, it's not like they can't play in the rain, right? It's just like they, there can't be lightning. There can't at what be- point is the deluge – too much exactly it it has to be if it's a steady rain it's just good the conditions are going to get worse if it's going to keep going now if it's just going to rain for 15 20 minutes they'll play through it they won't worry about it but like there was a game earlier this year I believe it was against SEMO where it just kept raining it never like really poured and there was never any lightning or anything but it just kept raining kept raining kept raining the the mound was getting super muddy the pitchers were, were – they couldn't throw strikes. Uh, it was really getting to a point where Van Horn was concerned that there was going to be an injury because of the poor uh, field conditions. And that's what you worry about. And I'm, I'm, I'm concerned that if it rains as much as it's supposed to rain, I don't think they're going to be able to play on Friday. I hope they do because it's been forever since I've been able to get out the bomb. I was supposed to be there on Wednesday – uh, then they announced the Musselman contract stuff, so I had to stay home. Uh, I didn't go on Tuesday because I was staying home to help with the baby. And then before that, I had another. It's been almost a month since I've been out to bomb, and that's just not like me. My God, someone get Hutch out to the baseball stadium immediately. <laughs> He's going to die. <laughs> uh, yeah, hopefully that doesn't happen. Thankfully, we have some awesome interns. Shout out Ryan, shout out Brayden. They've been amazing helping with baseball coverage, doing live updates on the message board. So can't thank them enough. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's been a good season. We can't complain about a little doubleheader action if we have to do it. Plus, it's the spring game, so it's the last one. After that, we can you know relax a little bit, maybe. And it depends May, on what Eric Mussman nice does. <laughs> depends on how much more Eric Mussman's going to do in the transfer portal. I mean, that dude's just constantly. He promised. He was taking Danielle on vacation. So I expect him <laughs> to, you know, go off to Cancun or something and then maybe come back. Maybe we can have a little vacation time in between. Wouldn't that be nice? I have a feeling I'm probably not going to take vacation until after the College World Series as well as this baseball team is playing. <laughs> yeah, what is a vacation with a one-year-old? like? Oh, God. Um, you drop the baby off at your, your parents for a little bit? Yeah, yeah, we did that whenever I uh, went to the cover the Sweet 16 and Elite 8 in Indianapolis. My wife went with me, and uh, we, we dropped off the baby at my parents' house. That was the first time we'd left the baby overnight, so it was a little bit nerve-wracking uh but yeah that's what we're gonna have to do we're, we're eventually gonna take a vacation at some point i just who the heck knows when went to indy and all i got was covid yeah that's exactly <laughs> right <laughs> all right everybody don't forget 2 p.m spring game on saturday you can catch live updates on the trough and then we have 6 30 baseball friday potentially <laughs> If not, look out for a doubleheader on Saturday, but 6.30, first pitch on Saturday as well, and then 2 p.m. on Sunday. And Sunday's looking nice, so if you can, go get out at Bomb Walker. Uh, join us on hogbeat.com. Use code H-A-W-G-S-30. Uh, have a great weekend, everybody.